Hey everybody, welcome back to Seller Performance Solutions, the wonderful podcast created by myself, Chris McCabe, and Liam McHugh of e-commerce, Chris, to dive into the various wonderful problems that sellers face on Amazon, listings taken down, occasionally random messages from Amazon itself that are hard to read or understand, and what to do about it, how to troubleshoot, and uh, best practices versus not so wonderful ideas that are sometimes floating out around there in the community, right? Yeah, I like to think of this as a 10 minute look into what we talk about all day long. Exactly, exactly. And we've got a conference coming up very soon. We'll be at Sell and Scale in Las Vegas. And that got me thinking about so many business owners and sellers meet so many people, other sellers, third-party services, others interested in running, selling, managing an Amazon business. How do you vet for expertise? What kinds of questions do you write for yourself before you go to certain, let's say, boots for third-party services? Because there's an educational component that these shows, but then there's also a promotional component. And I think some people don't necessarily prepare. They don't have time for it. They're not sure what to ask. They figure, well, I'll just walk up to somebody's booth, hear what they have to say, listen to their pitch, and then I'll go to their competitor's booth and listen to the same thing. I had this idea. I wanted to run by you, get some feedback. I know you'll give me your very blunt assessment, but also it's worth discussing with sellers who listen to this podcast about how you examine the expertise level, but also maybe even a quick little test, like a litmus test for do these people know what they're talking about? showing them your products as a brand owner. Hey, this is what we're trying to sell. Let's just say you're trying to sell more product, right? Market Mm -hmm. yourself better, rank higher. Let's keep it simple. Let's say you're speaking with listing optimization experts and and there's a crowded field of them, right? So you already know you have a lot of questions you have to ask and you have to evaluate those answers. Don't you think it's a good idea to maybe show them what you sell, give them a chance to say, hey, this is just a, a few minutes of what I think you should do next given what you've told me about the product and given what the product is. And then kind of privately, you could take away whatever you've written down, whatever you saved from that interaction and vet it for compliance. Did they give you a sales trick or tactic that might get you into trouble or might get the listing taken down? That's the step I think a lot of sellers are missing. They don't consider that either before they just run right in and do it. They might say, hey, that sounds great. Let's just try it as an experiment. But do you really think they sit down before they implement it, wondering if that might get them into trouble, get a policy warning, get the listing suspended? I mean, obviously I'm biased because I see the people who get in trouble for their listing content. So I assume a lot of people aren't checking it for compliance because I assume we'd have less cases if if that weren't the case. But how do they check it is my question. Because some people might just go to the provider website and look for some post that says that this is Amazon TOS compliant and they're like, oh, great. It says it right here. They're, they don't examine it. No. And I think a large part of it is that a lot of sellers don't know what they don't know. So it's, it's very easy to just listen to a sales pitch about how something is totally within the rules. And if you don't know that you don't know the rules, it's, it's very easy to just be like, yeah, sounds awesome. So I think a lot of it does. And Sellers are probably sick of hearing me say this, but I think it, it comes down to the, the seller. The seller is res- ultimately responsible for making sure that things are done correctly. And I think particularly when it comes to product compliance, 
I don't know if it's necessarily fair to put product compliance on the copywriter's shoulders. Product compliance is so vastly different for every product within every marketplace that I don't think it's fair for you to expect a copywriter or maybe not even the copywriter, maybe just one of the sales team at, at the conference right. to know all of the rules related to the FDA and Health Canada and UKCA. That's that's very specialized information that you'd probably need to speak to like three different attorneys about. So expecting a copywriter to have that information just readily available at a conference is maybe asking too much. Or the person in the booth is there for promotional purposes. They're not right. the person working on your account. They might give you some ideas on who at their company might do it. But I, I don't know if I partially agree or somewhat disagree in terms of, I think it's a shared responsibility. Obviously the buck stops with the business owner. That's the way Amazon views it. That's the way we all have to view it. But Listing optimization, again, using that as an example, you're not optimizing anything if the listing gets suspended. So they should also right. have that built into their due diligence in terms of marketing ideas and what they pitch you and what you can do to sell your product better because you're not optimizing anything if you're getting ASIN suspended. Yeah, and I think so. certainly having an understanding of Amazon policy is important if you're providing any sort of service around Amazon. But when you're getting into the more complex legal issues, I do think it really is on sellers or on the brand owner, whatever you want to call yourself. It's really on you to make sure that you're getting your copy approved by somebody that is an expert in that area of compliance. And you're getting your, your packaging reviewed by an attorney that is an expert in that particular area, particularly if you're in a highly regulated space, like supplements or medical devices or anything like that. So I think, like you said, it's a combination effort, but I do think that if you're doing any sort of service within the Amazon space, that you definitely need to have some familiarity with Amazon's terms of service, because I mean, otherwise you're potentially selling people services that'll get them in trouble and I mean, that's not fun for anybody. It's possibly right. would lead to a lawsuit. You don't really want to deal with that. And whether it's at, on a phone call or at a conference, it's kind of the same concept of people are tempted to oversell their competencies, I think. Yeah. I also and, am a very firm believer in just because you're the best speaker doesn't mean you have the best right. knowledge or the best expertise. So just because yeah. a booth has like the best sales team doesn't mean that they're the best people for the job. And I think it's very no. important to be able to look past that and say, okay, does this person actually know what they're talking about or are they just telling me what I want to hear? Look past the quality of the swag. You've got to be <laughs> able to look past that, right? Exactly. Not that it's not worthwhile for people to put more effort into what kinds of swag you get because <laughs> so many people are tempted to give the same old things, but they're there for a reason, right? They're talking. Talk is words. So you're like gravitating from a conversation to hiring them to do something on your account that should open up a whole area of due diligence that you're spending time on. And that's when you're really asking if you can't do it in a two, three minute chat at a booth or even on a short phone call, when you're hiring them, that's when you're asking the meaty questions <laughs> and you need to get meat in the answers, right? You can't just have things glossed over. I think a lot of sellers, the psychology of it, go approach someone's website, somebody that talked on the phone, somebody at a conference with this idea already baked into their brains. This person's an expert on blank 
and I am not. So when I ask them a question, I'm assuming I'm going to get an expert answer back. Or if I'm hiring them for a service on Amazon, they know that they have to play by Amazon's rules. It's Amazon's sandbox and they have to go by those guidelines. Otherwise they're gonna be hurting me, their customer, their client, and they don't wanna do that because I'm a new client. So I'm assuming that they won't do that. By the way, I was just using listing optimization as an example. I mean, this is community-wide for a wide variety of services. Yeah, and I think in particular, when it comes to Amazon policies, if somebody is telling you that something is TOS, or if they're making claims about Amazon's policies, ask for their sources. Mm -hmm. I rarely, except maybe for clients that have worked with us for a long time and know that I know what I'm talking about, I rarely will say something about Amazon policy without providing a link to that policy and a quote about what I am talking about. If they can't do that, I mean, that's just like, you know, those Abraham Lincoln meme quotes that you see all over the internet. Like you can put anything on a sticker and call it whatever you want, but it doesn't mean it's true. So if you can't, right, you need sources, you need to check their references and you need to make sure that what they're saying is one, true, and two, that they actually understand what they're talking about. And if they can't do that, if it's just because like, oh, everybody knows this, probably don't know what they're talking about. Well, or just if they've got a series of promotional testimonials somewhere that they've vetted, that's not enough. You have to know what questions to ask. The, the first part's on you. Do some research before you even get there. Again, sticking with the conference part. Know what you want to ask. Know what you have to ask. So study up yourself. Do some homework. Don't expect them to do the homework for you or to do it on the fly. And don't just approach a bunch of different people who do the same thing. Get their wide variety of answers. Don't just and pick then, the cheapest one. That's what I, you stole my thunder. <laughs> oh, sorry, and then I thought just you were evaluate like, well, it's just a trial. That's what I really wanted to talk about today. Even people doing trials are getting damage on their accounts. Well, yeah. So you can't just say, while, right? you can't just say, I'm going to cut them off if they do something bad. I mean, they might do something really bad in a really short right. amount of time. Or there's you a money to, back guarantee, but that money back right. guarantee, all these things, which you and I know, I mean, the best example is why would you want to let an amateur take a crack at reinstating your suspended account just because there's a money back guarantee. If they're an amateur or if they're new or if they're not seasoned vets of this area, why would it have any value to you to get your money back after they've screwed up your entire appeal? Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) So it's easy. I think mentality wise, it's like, oh, well, there is no risk because I get my money back if something goes Uh, wrong. I don't think enough people think about if, if somebody does something wrong on my account, here are all of the bad things that could happen, including an account suspension or including that listing being blocked or whatever the case may be. Right. Your, your, your inventory could get right. stuck in immigration somewhere because whoever you hired to deal with of that course. didn't know what they're doing. The risk but, is the permanent right. damage to your account. <laughs> right. So we shouldn't have to explain that there's no risk. I mean, there's no risk of your few hundred bucks for that month or whatever it was of the service. But I hope in the next year or so, that people are asking us those kinds of questions too, that shows that they put deep thought into this and they wrote some stuff down before talking to us. And then hopefully our answers coincide with what what they expected based on their research. And that's a rewarding interaction. Or they ask us follow-up questions based on, oh, that's not what I heard because of A, B, and C. And then that I think is a good 
process for vetting out real answers versus not not so good answers because service providers aren't going to promise to cover everything you ever do on Amazon. That's pretty unheard of in terms of anything that ever happens to your business. I will assume full responsibility for it. I guess unless it's a full service agency that really puts into writing, we do everything for you. But Maybe I mean, even if they take full responsibility, if <laughs> yeah. they can't get your account reinstated, you're still suspended, <laughs> potentially without your money or your inventory. So, yeah. I mean, great if they'll pay you back for that, but you still no longer can sell at Amazon. I mean, so, choose your level of risk that you're comfortable with, I guess. Yeah. In summary and conclusion, do do some fact checking. Don't believe everything you read or hear. Chris and I are telling you to do due diligence. <laughs> Yeah, buyer beware. Our frequent listeners will be shocked that we're mm -hmm. telling you to do your due diligence. Well, the reason we're even talking about this is we've seen the ugly outcomes and we hear a lot of regret from people. We hear a lot of stories from people. I wish I had done that sooner. I wish I had talked to either us sooner or people who understood, let's say, mm -hmm. compliance, people who understood, let's say, the law better. It doesn't make sense to me personally. Maybe you're more charitable in your review of these stories, but it doesn't make any sense for people to just say, well, I hired a marketing company and they're not really knowledgeable about non-marketing stuff. And that's where this all went wrong. Well, you're sharing the responsibility. Of course, you have at least some of the responsibility, but you're sharing the responsibility with any company that takes over a task for you that you've hired to complete something right. because you have to consider all the things that could go wrong, especially when you sell on Amazon. I don't know how we're almost in 2023 and we're still telling people how things can go wrong on Amazon. I like to blame the passive income gurus, mostly because I just like to blame them for most things because, uh, you know, easy. But Low hanging fruit. But it's yep. the whole idea of selling on Amazon is easy. You can do it in your sleep. There's no work involved and you don't have to know anything and make millions of dollars. Like that's terrible advice. And we're at the stage now where maybe 10 years ago, you could do that for a while, but we're not in that four world. hours a week. Anybody that's teaching you this, or if you pay yep. them tens of thousands of dollars, they'll do everything for you. And you'll just make millions of dollars without doing anything. Right. Terrible. Four hours of work a week. <laughs> I like that one. And hiring VAs to do everything for you without having any clue what they're doing or how well they know the work. So we will revisit this topic again, I am sure, as we get into the thick of Q4, we're going to see listing errors and compliance mistakes that result in bad things. Hopefully not. But if these things happen to you, you're looking to stem the tide or even identify warning signs before Amazon takes action. Ask myself, ask Leah, or tune in again to our next Seller Performance Solutions podcast. Thanks, Leah. Thanks, Chris.